Welcome to Business Magic with Maggie Gila, making your business feel and work like magic for you and those you want to impact. Turns out you don't need a wand, you need a strategy. Hey, hey, I am so excited for what you are about to hear with my conversation with Carrie Green. My jaw literally dropped multiple times through this conversation as Carrie walked me through her worst launch ever and the multiple reasons it happened and the multiple things she and her team had to do afterwards. It's really, really insightful. And for me, it was a huge eye-opener. So I hope it's the same for you. Carrie Green is one of my dearest mentors. She is an award-winning entrepreneur, the founder of the Female Entrepreneur Association, and the author of the international best-selling book, She Means Business, which is just brilliant and fun and insightful and amazing. Her TEDx talk on reprogramming your mind for success has had over 7.1 million views. What? And she is as sweet in person as she appears. So without further ado, let's dive into the conversation. Carrie, I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Um, it's something I've had in my head uh, since I started dreaming of this podcast. The first name on my list was Carrie Green. So it's Aww. very exciting that this is actually happening. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> I love it. And one of the big reasons I wanted to have you on here is you are someone I really have looked up to as an entrepreneur with how you carry yourself with the business that you run. Yet you've also shared quite openly on numerous occasions, some of the things that have gone on behind the scenes that have not been as pretty. Well, I think that's the thing. It's hard, like actually turning an idea into reality. And I am just one of those people. I'm like such an open book. Um, like even in my personal life, I mean, the things I tell my friends is probably TMI, but, <laughs> but like, I just, I just feel like I'm one of those people that I think it's just important to share and just like be honest and open because I think that's what makes us all feel like we're actually normal and that it's okay. And that, you know, the hard parts are part of it rather than we're supposed to have it all figured out because none of us do. <laughs> Absolutely. And that that's why that's one of the goals of this podcast. And it's, it's a big goal of my own journey to be more transparent with myself and with others. But one question I ask um, everyone who's here is how many years did it take you to become an overnight success? <laughs> oh gosh. Um, <laughs> maybe like 10 or 11. Wow. Yeah. Cause like, well, I started my first business in 2005. So I guess that was really the beginning of the journey with online businesses and the entrepreneurial world. And then I suppose in terms of FEA itself, I suppose, well, I started in 2011 and I suppose it really, really kind of like got to a really successful point, probably towards the end of 2015, 2016. So again, it was a long time. Mm. But like the first few years of building FEA, the first two years, I didn't make any money whatsoever. And like, I actually ran out of money. So slogged away at it for so long with like, you know, without it generating a financial return for me. And I think people, you know, they think that, or they see it as it is now and think that it's just always <laughs> been the way it is, or I don't know, or compare where they're at at the beginning to where I'm at now, whatever years it's been later. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, I think that's kind of the, the, the problem with the industry that we're in that we look at, we see Instagram, we see people having successful launches. We see, for example, you're, you know, you've got an amazing YouTube channel, you've got wonderful videos coming out, things like that. Yet we don't actually realize, like you said, 10, 11 years. So that's 10, 11 years of mistakes and 
failures and I'm assuming launches that flopped as well? Well, I think that <laughs> I didn't necessarily do a launch that flopped. I did a launch. Uh, I just didn't do any launches. <laughs> just lots of uh, non-existent launch times because <laughs> I was basically too afraid and didn't know what how to do it. And like, I remember when I created my first freebie and, um, I knew I was, I knew I should be creating freebies and I, uh, and I knew it for a while, but I was just, didn't know how to do it. And it was like, I felt like it should be simple, but in my head it was so overwhelmingly confusing. And I almost like wanted someone to like take me by the hand and just show me what to do. And then I remember when I finally just like sat down and was like, I'm going to do this. And I figured it out. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I think that freebie, I think we got like 6,000 people signed up to it. And I was like, what the hell? Why the heck didn't I do this sooner? And then now I feel like building a list of 20,000, 30,000, 40,000, whatever people is actually really easy and straightforward. And I could just do it so easily. But back then I was just like, I just, the, my brain wasn't connecting. Like, mm. oh, I don't know. It's, it's funny how it's always like that when you're trying to do something, the next thing that you need to do that you don't know how to do. So I think for me, like failed launches was more just like not launching because I didn't know <laughs> what I was supposed to do for such a long time. Do you think that came from a sense of perfectionism or just confusion? Um, so no, because I'm definitely not a perfectionist, but I think it just came from you know, like that overwhelming feeling when you need to do something, but you don't know how to do it. And you're looking at the whole picture rather than like breaking it down and doing like step one. And so you get so overwhelmed by this vision of something that you need to do. You just can't make a move on it. And so I think that's where I get trapped. And I do it over and over and over again with literally like every new thing, like I'm doing it at the moment. It's so bloody annoying because I know I'm doing it. And I just despair, but I just, I know, I just know it's something that I have to like, kind of like walk through and just, you just have to keep going until you push through to the side and then you're doing it and you're like, Oh God, this actually wasn't that hard at all. And it's now it's great and it's wonderful. And why did I waste so much time? I completely know that feeling. I have been there many times. Um, <laughs> a lot of my clients say that I'm really good at simplifying things, but that's because my natural tendency is to overcomplicate yeah. and make <laughs> everything like this massive big deal. And so that's why I always look at, um, okay, instead of, yeah, so let's say you want to do a sales page or a launch, a lot of people go into, oh, I have to create these like five amazingly professional, beautiful videos and they get stuck in what's going to be my background for one of those videos versus what I'm actually trying to sell and who am I selling it to. Yeah, exactly. I always find that it's also like sharing things that I've discovered, like through looking back at things, I feel like it's easy to share with someone and be like, right, start here. And it's just simplified. And so you need to do it. But when it comes to me doing it for myself with the next thing I don't know how to do, I'm just as useless at uh, actually taking my own advice. <laughs> <laughs> have you, have you maybe found better tactics or strategies for yourself in, in doing this? Um, I think the thing that I've come to realize is that like, that becomes, it's like a scale and it's like, I reach a point where the fear of not ever doing it terrifies me more than doing it and so once I've kind of tipped the scale and I've so for example like when I before I launched the membership site I'd wanted to do it for a long time I hadn't done it I was I was really afraid I was getting in my own way and then they reached a point in 2013 where the idea of getting to the end of the year and not launching having a, a membership site out of there terrified me more than doing it and so once I realized that it tipped in that direction I had just, I don't know, something within me shifted and I just had 
more conviction within myself to really get stuck into it and figure it out and just move through it despite the discomfort of it all and the fear and the doubts and the worries and I suppose like forced myself to just bloody do it and I just know for myself it's just having the patience to like sit with something like my book took me so bloody long to write and to do it it was such a journey and I just knew that I just had to keep sitting with it and trust that somehow it was manifesting. It was just taking its time. And I think the problem is that most people quit before, you know, because they get, because they are in their own heads or they have these worries and doubts and they're not making progress within a year or two years or three years. Most people think maybe it's never going to work and I should just quit while I'm ahead kind of thing. Whereas I feel like I just don't quit. It's literally like the quote I had on my wall throughout, especially starting FEA was successful people hang on when everyone else is let go. And I Mm. think that's one thing I am prepared to do is to hang on until I figure it out. It's quite, it can be quite the painful process, (laughs) but so I I, I don't think it's like a, it's not really like a strategy, like kind of like some tips, but I suppose for me, it's just acknowledging the situation and what I'm going through and realizing that it just takes time sometimes. Like, I know this is a bit of a weird thing to relate it to, but like with having Casey, my son last year, he's he's just turned one. And, um, when we got to the point of weaning him and like getting him on eating food, I was just like, my mind was blown. Like I just thought I was terrified. I was terrified that he was going to choke. I didn't know what to feed him. I didn't know what to do. All these people in like this group that I was in were feeding their kids like fish pie and all this stuff. I was like, what, how are you feeding them fish pie? Like, and I was freaking out and I just felt so overwhelmed and I just, I didn't know what to do. I wanted someone to literally come around to my house and show me how to feed my son because I didn't know what to do. And then within like a month or so, I'd taken little steps and it got better and then all of a sudden one day I realized, oh my gosh, he's eating fish pie. He's having chicken curry. He's having like all these foods. Like we did it. And it, I feel like it's like that in business. Some think there's actually, it's like doing one step and another step and another step. But when you haven't done those, that one step and that other step and another step, it feels unbelievably overwhelming and confusing and terrifying. But then once you start doing it and you kind of focus your energy on knowing that, look at one way or another, I'm going in that direction and I'm going to get to that point. Then one day you get to that point and you're just like, oh, we got here. I did it. And I don't know. It's just kind of, I I think the thing is, if you were feeding a child, you know that one way or another, you're going to reach that point where your child is eating food. And we have to see our business goals and things in the same way, in the sense that like you realize and you trust that one day you will get there with your business goals and you will make it happen because like not making it happen just isn't an option the same way not figuring out how to feed your child is not an option. (laughs) Um, but it's just so overwhelming and confusing and terrifying. And I don't know, I think you just have to lean into it and realize that it's just part of the process of doing something you've never done before. Really. Yeah. I, it's actually a really good analogy. And it's something I've, I've definitely struggled with this so much. Um, I feel like I'm scared (laughs) more times in my business than I'm not. (laughs) <laughs> um, seriously I'm the same <laughs> yeah but I think it's really important to have like also a north star kind of vision for your business so for me I knew I would always I always knew I wanted to run retreats I always knew I wanted to have these like intimate amazing experiences with people 
And I just ran my first retreat last month in Tuscany, and it was invite only for these like amazing entrepreneurs from Europe. But I started less than two years before with a $50 workshop in my living room. So it's even so with that one yeah. workshop, which like, I had no idea what I was doing, I lost money on that because I bought too many desserts, like literally I went crazy <laughs> with food. <laughs> oh, that's so Worth funny. it. <laughs> but it really just goes to show like how, like the actual journey and what it takes. And that's why I always say like, you can't skimp on it. Like people don't want to be where they're at and don't want to honor where they're at. And it, it's not the, you know, you can't have that mindset because you can't skip the, the learning bit. Like you have to be able, you have to have the like courage and the like tenacity to like walk through it and like to experience it because you back then probably wouldn't have been able to pull off what you've just pulled off in Tuscany. No way. Because you back then didn't have the experience and knowledge that you have now because you started out with doing a $50 workshop in your living room. Like it's, but yeah, I think that's the thing. I think it's so good to talk about this stuff because I think this is a bit that people don't get to hear. And then all they see is the shiny stuff on the, you know, the external stuff that we post out and then think, oh my gosh, like they've got it all figured out. They know what they're doing. And really, if you saw behind the scenes of any business, you'd be like, bloody hell, what a disaster that is. She's a mess. <laughs> <laughs> like if you could see the chaos in my head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we kind of talked about that when we were in Palm Springs at your, uh, for your event earlier this year, where people see that like their goal, they look at you and they see that's where I want to be. But they also don't see how much time it's taken to you to get there. They haven't seen the mistakes. They haven't seen the testing and tweaking. Like, for example, like with writing your book that it, it took you, do you say six years? Yeah, something crazy like that. Yeah. Yeah. And you didn't start off by running a 5,000 or 6,000 person membership and doing a TED talk and writing a book yeah. and a podcast and videos all in the same week. Like you yeah. didn't go out there with all these things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I think that actually one of the biggest mindset shifts that I had that really transformed everything for me and really helped me to get on my way to actually achieving success with FEA was um, I just started to look at things differently. So to back up a bit, in 2009, I created this mission for myself and it was called Mission to Make a Million uh, in 365 Days. <laughs> and um, I started this website, so I was going to blog my journey to doing it. And I think on day 65, I wrote something about how it's like impossible and I was never going to make it happen and all this stuff. And um, and so kind of my, my mission went by the wayside and I never, I never continued it and never got there. And then um, in 2011, when I started FEA, I switched my mindset and it shifted from, I want to make a million to, I just want to do something that helps people and that makes a positive impact and that it inspires people and it lights me up and it feels good. And I just want to give, give and give. And I wasn't thinking about the money. I wasn't thinking about what was in it for me other than to do something that I genuinely really cared about. And when I switched to a mindset of what can I do to serve people? What can I do to have an impact? It just changed everything and how I went about my day-to-day -day life in terms of building the business. And it, it's, I think that's why, and well, I know that's why we've it, it, I've created the success I have is because, you know, as entrepreneurs, you know, we're really here to be of service and it's not, it isn't about us living the dream life. Like, yes, that is a byproduct of it, but 
the more you show up and serve other people, the more you actually can create that success for yourself. And I think once I really got my head around that, and it wasn't like someone taught me that lesson. It was just like all of a sudden something clicked into place for me. It was a realization that I just had. And then Mm. I was like, oh, wow. And it just kind of like opened up this whole new way of, of being and doing things. And then, and then like, for example, like when you do that, no matter when you hit a rough patch or when things aren't going right, it's like going back to that mindset of like, how can I just show up and help people? How can I just show up and serve my audience? How can I give them more of what they want? What do they even want? Like, who are they? And like asking yourself questions. Uh, And then that's what I do actually all the time. Like this year, for example, talk about like launches that flopped. Like this year we had our worst launch ever earlier on in the year. And um, I've never, ever in my whole time of launching ever, ever experienced anything like it. Like not even the first launch I ever did. And um, I hadn't been heading up the marketing side. Like since having Casey, I had not been doing the marketing stuff at all. And I hadn't really been showing up for the audience. I have, I just couldn't, I just wasn't at a point like where I felt like I could show up and do that. So yeah, so we had this terrible launch. And I remember thinking like, what, it really was a kick up the backside and made me think, well, Mm. one, one, no matter how successful you are, if you stop engaging with your audience, well, you've got nothing, but it also kind of made me think, well, I need to go back to the drawing board and one, investigate like what's really happened here and why this has gone so wrong. And two, get back in alignment with what my audience want. Like I am here to be of service. Like how, almost like how dare I show up to do a launch when I haven't been showing up for my audience? Like, who am I to do that? And I just think it, it kind of made me, brought me back to the point of like, don't expect to have a successful launch if I'm not willing to put in the work not put in the work, but show up for them in advance of the launch or like just in general. And so I kind of went back to the drawing board and go back to like, you know, engaging my audience, asking them questions, like figuring out what it is that they actually want, delivering what it is that they want because they're telling me and because I'm listening to them and starting that conversation back up again. So, so I, yeah, so I feel like that whole mindset has really helped guide me along my journey with all its like twists and turns and challenges. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I love that you bring this up because this was a mindset that I just could not agree with for the first couple of years when I started, because I was just like, I don't get it. You're an entrepreneur. You're here to make money. What are you talking about with serving people? Like, why is that the main thing? It's been interesting for me because when I did focus on, oh my gosh, I need another client. How am I going to pay whatever next month? Things were not working at all. And I couldn't understand what was the difference when the moment I relaxed and I just focused on the project I was working on, which I was excited about. And it wasn't about, oh, it's going to make me X amount. It was just about the project and the value people could get from it. People started buying. When I stopped focusing on people buying, they started buying. And that's been so interesting for me um, because I've, I've, you know, I have a, I come from quite an academic background. I'm quite like strategic, logical, like let's look at the numbers. And people were talking about like people that if you, the way you write your marketing, people can sense energy. And I was just like, oh my gosh, that is such BS. What do you even mean? (laughs) I don't think that way anymore. (laughs) But it's, it's been so interesting that whenever I focus on the fact that I'm excited about a project, that's when the magic happens. Yeah, That's when, I don't know, I guess people sense that or I'm more excited. Therefore I'm doing more. I'm not really sure what it is, but 
things work. Yeah, it's so true. I feel like the energy we pour into things makes such a big difference. I think it's the difference between how one community one community can be really sales and salesy and like not not like a nice space, and then another community can be so nice and lovely and sweet and friendly and supportive. I think it has all the, it has everything to do with the energy that is poured into it by the person who's leading that community or that mission or that business. It make it just make a huge difference. And that, the thing I've struggled with the most is then how do you actually be the CEO and the leader that you need to be and still be <laughs> writing the weekly emails and writing all the copy because there are not enough hours in the day. So like, for example, like, like I think that's been one of the challenges for the, you know, the past 18 months or so is like, how do you get more help with like your marketing team where someone else can like lead the growth of your business from like a marketing perspective and pour their energy into it instead of yours? Like, I think that's one of the hardest things with like businesses like ours because they're so personal, quite the challenge. Yeah. No, I'm, I love, I love marketing. I know that's quite rare. I really like marketing. Um, and I think when you're a personal brand, it gets really difficult to outsource some of these things, mm-hmm. like, especially like with copy or I know uh, at one point, I don't know if you still did that, but at one point you said that, um, your Facebook ads always work better when you are the one who, phys- who literally does them yourself. Yeah. That was, was always the case. Although I don't run them now, but, um, it, it still is. I use, I did get, I mean, I don't know it could be a combination of Facebook changing, but like, I remember in the past, me doing them and there's someone else doing them and then I started doing them again and like the results were just so different but um it's because then it, I think it's because then my eyes are are like physically because it's one thing to write copy it's one thing to have a graphic but it's one thing to combine those into a Facebook ad and to see it on Facebook so for example like when you're the person pulling it together and doing it you're in a creative thinking state where you're looking at it from the perspective of does this actually work is this truly going to align with my audience and they're then you're making decisions. Actually, no, I need to change this. It needs to be improved. It needs to be better. I need to scrap this. Whereas when you outsource it to a Facebook ads person, they just take the graphic, they just take the copy, Mm -hmm. they just make the ad. They don't think to themselves intuitively, does this really work for FEA? And I think that's where the breakdown happens partly as well. Yeah. It's just quite challenging. (laughs) I think it's definitely a challenge with growing your team and start like, because you realize, well, you can't do it all. You would like to, you can't do it all. There aren't enough hours in the day. But there's, that's definitely a challenge with with outsourcing or hiring or, or delegating. Yeah, it's quite the struggle. <laughs> Would you say there are any mistakes that you made building your business? What, just in general? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, because I feel like everything's just such a learning experience. Like even, for example, the launch we did earlier on in the year, which was, was so terrible in comparison to what we would normally, like the results we would normally get. But I wouldn't say... I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know if it was a mistake. I think it was a, it was a big wake up call. So mm. in a way, it's a good thing that happened. We've made mistakes. Like for example, <laughs> like in the last launch, we did this amazing challenge. We had 20,000 people signed up to it. It was incredible. And then the sales emails start going out and I was just like, There's something not right about this. Like what is going on? And so I did some digging, asked the person who ran our infusion soft for us, if there was any problems and whatever else. And because it was something it was out like we had someone on the team set up all the infusions of stuff anyway then I started digging more and realized that the emails for all the enrollment open stuff had actually been sent to everyone else except the people that signed up for the challenge our most engaged oh. audience that we'd built up and I was like for a whole week um or something it, um it took I think actually enrollment opened on the yeah the 
previous Friday and on the following Friday is when I started to realize and I looked into it more and more and more and realized these people haven't received the emails and I was like so then I mean obviously that is a massive mistake <laughs> so stuff like that happens but it's hard when you've got other people you're not doing everything you trust people to do certain things and have I made mistakes personally like that in the past well not actually like that one but I have made mistakes where I don't know, we've done a launch and I've been, I have put the emails together and I've set, you know, before I had a team and I'll set things up myself and then I sent the bloody wrong link for the sales page or something, or I didn't mm. check the email and it was wrong. So I'm like making mistakes like that. Yeah. But I just think that I think being an entrepreneur is like the biggest personal development, you know, journey you can be on because you learn so many things about yourself and what's working and what's not working. Um, and I think sometimes like people are too quick to, or to blame other things and not really take full responsibility for the situation that they're in. And I think that when you are, you have the guts to take full responsibility for the situation, even when it's a bad situation, it's such a positive thing because from that place of awareness, you can actually do something about it and make a change. Whereas I see so many people saying things like, oh, but I've been trying to make Instagram work and, I'm, you know, it just isn't working. Like Instagram isn't going to work for me. And I'm like, so are there other people in your industry that are making Instagram work for them? Well, I think so. So if they're making it work for them, do you think you could make it work for you? Well, yeah, but it's just not working for me. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, pull your head out with the sand and like get real. And I just think there's so many people that aren't willing to like get brutally honest with themselves um, when they mess up, when they make mistakes, when things aren't working to like really investigate and to like ask themselves, why isn't this working? Because it's something that like, I know for me, if it's not working, what am I doing that is wrong? what do I need to fix? And I, I think, it, I mean, almost to a point where I kind of go too far in the opposite direction, but like, I will always like take responsibility for almost ev like everything because like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if it was someone on the team that did it or anything, ultimately, like the book stops with me. So mm -hmm. if something's happened, if something's not going, going right, then what did I do and how could I make sure that that doesn't happen again? Or how do we learn from it? How do we grow? What do we need to actually learn? How do we need to change? And I feel like it's so important that we have that mindset because that's the mindset that helps to push us towards the success that we actually want because we then realize what we need to do to get better. I agree. I think it's a really hard lesson to learn. It's it's so much easier to blame other people that they, oh, they don't see, like one, one thing I see very often, I'm quite sure I've said this myself earlier on as well, is my audience or people out there don't see the value in what I do. Yeah. But it's not about people seeing value. It's about you showing it to them in the from the right perspective. Yeah. And I've, I've definitely am guilty of this. I did that earlier on very much. One of my, I use this example quite often. My headline used to be, does your hit, does your business have a digital strategy? And the answer to that question is no one cares if they have a digital strategy or not. No one cares at all. So when I changed it, um, at one point, my, my headline was, does your marketing make you feel like you're screaming into the void? Which was something like someone actually said to me. And I started getting emails from people saying, oh my gosh, this is exactly how I feel. Yeah. So it's, it's all about perspective. It is. But then as well, something else that I feel like you've just also touched on is like the power of listening to what your audience is saying. Like the number of times people email back or say, oh my God, it's like you read my mind. Well, guess what? They were probably your words that I used when you sent me 
a message on Instagram or a comment in a Facebook group and I paid attention and I <laughs> repurposed your words and I shared it with everyone because I think that's the thing. It's like you really have to listen and tune into your audience and like what they're saying and act accordingly based off of off of that. It's so powerful. Yeah. I think you're so good at doing this. Um, one is like the, the silent listening and seeing what are the comments and and using that copy. But also, you you send out so many surveys yeah. every time like you've done a big project. There's like there is a survey and there are like really great questions and you promote that. And yeah. You're getting you're getting actual data from yeah. your audience. I know, which is I think those surveys as well help. I always like to think that um, I like to co-create. So for example, when I launched the membership, I feel like it was a co-creation between me and the people who already subscribed to FEA because I surveyed everyone and asked them what did they want and asked some questions and that helped shape what I actually created. And like now, for example, we actually this past week, we put two surveys out, but this one survey was kind of like, what would the next level FEA look like? And it's been amazing. Do you know, it's funny though, because I get nervous to see what people have said. So I like left it through a few days because I was just nervous. Like, what would the response be? And then I finally had the guts to have a look last night. And I was like, and it's, it's great. Like I put, put out one post in the Facebook group last week on that. And like last time I checked over 150 people had filled it out, which was just so good to have that data and to see what people are actually saying and what they would want. And and I see it as like, they are co-creating that next level with me. Mm. Like it's, I'm not, I can't possibly figure it out for myself because like, if I figured it out myself, it probably wouldn't be what people wanted. So it's like, we have to, and I think that's the power of building an audience, building a community is that we're doing it for them. We're here to serve them. So why not actually co-create with them? And I, I just think when we do that, it's powerful as well, because then not only do they share amazing ideas with us and they, there is so much more buy-in from them because they then feel so they feel like they've, they've helped you create it. So they kind of want to take the next step and be part of it. So it's really powerful. Absolutely. But I, I do also want to point out here that you are doing these surveys to your existing audience who already know you, they've already bought in. Even if that's, if that's to your membership or to your email list, that's already your audience. A lot of people go out into random Facebook groups that are not their own and post surveys. And that's not going to give you accurate data because that's not your, your actual audience. Yeah. Yeah. So true. yeah, start if you don't have a Facebook group, which is like, you don't have to have a Facebook group, but you know, post polls or questions on Instagram stories, ask people who you think could be potential customers and clients. Even if you have 50 people on your newsletter, it's okay. Send them a survey. Yeah. <laughs> Couple questions. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's a good point though. That's why it's so important to have your own, to build up your own community. I feel like when I did a talk, I feel it was actually a couple of years ago now. It was at Tribe, Steve McLaren's thing. And I was talking about how, you know, today in this day and age with the businesses people are building, it's like, it's almost like we're building communities. Not We are building businesses, but it's like, actually, what are we truly building if you look at it? And you're like, actually, we're building communities we're building, you know, and, that, and the thing is, if we actually switch to that mindset and think, okay, I'm building a community, how would I, if you wake up every day and think, how can I build my community today? Like, what would you do differently? What decisions would you make that are different for if you started thinking to yourself, okay, how do I build my business today? And um, I think it's just a really powerful mindset to have when we're like creating every day and yeah, taking action. And I don't think it has to be that, again, like that you have to build a Facebook group. Um, no. It could be with whatever you're doing. But I've really seen that shift myself. It's it's why I ran my first $50 workshop in my living room because 
not only for everyone else, but selfishly, I wanted community. I wanted to hang out with people for a day. Yeah. And every time I survey my audience, everyone is saying, we want more events. We want more community. And it's become, for at least from my perspective, it's become a lot less this focus on courses and learning and more about accountability and groups and relationships. Yeah, that's definitely. Yeah. I think that's like the most powerful thing though, is like the relationships that we have. Like I remember when I started FEA, I networked like a crazy person and the people that I met back then had such a huge impact on me as I was in the early stages of growing FEA you know, cause it's just like, I mean, the only reason I knew to build an email list is cause someone said, Carrie, you need to build an email list. The only reason I knew about making videos is come on. So someone said videos are really powerful. So like the whole way through people like, you know, hearing people say things and that's only because of getting out there and making real connections and, you know, actually speaking to people who are genuinely interested in like, you know, chatting with you about business or like they want to care, you know, they care about you and they want to you know, support you. So powerful. It it really is. And it's, it's one of the main reasons why I started the powerhouse mastermind retreats, because uh, like we were there in Tuscany together. And one of the women entrepreneurs said, I want my business to make a million dollars. And the immediate response, like within a quarter of a second from someone else was, of course you do. Like it was the most obvious thing in the world that we want million dollar businesses. And that's one of the goals we're working towards. And I don't think there are that many rooms you can say that in and have that kind of response, yeah. or, you know, a billion, whatever number um, or whatever kind of goal you have. And I think it's so important to find those rooms yourself. If that's a virtual room or it's an in-person room, yeah. to find that space with people who have like-minded North stars with you. Exactly. So true. Really powerful. Would you consider yourself introverted, introverted or extroverted? I'm definitely not an extrovert. <laughs> um, I feel like if, for example, like if I'm at an event, I'm better now than I was, but like, I'm probably going to be not in the, near the center of the room, like to the sides, <laughs> near the food or something. Distracting <laughs> myself with drinks or something or other. You're the wine, you're the cocktail bar. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I feel you. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, like I said, I, I'm better. I've, I've got better over the years. Like I wouldn't say I'm a complete introvert, but I would say mm. that I'm more of an introvert than an extrovert. I think I'm the same. It, it took me running for international live events before I realized I'm actually quite introverted. Yeah. Because I was sort of like, why am I so tired? Like, Oh. <laughs> my mom just said like oh I could have told you that years ago that uh -huh. you're introverted <laughs> what are some of the things you would still love to take off for yourself in your business uh, well I definitely want to try and figure out how on earth I make more time to write another book Hey House have been asking me about doing another book and I really want to but it's like how do I have the time and it's like I really want to work with so this is um, I've been mentoring my brother lately because he's kind of just started an, an, a business up and um I put him through entrepreneurial training camp <laughs> but he'd like worked a job for like the whole like this is his first like business adventure and um, I could really clearly see like some of the mistakes that he was making and like what simple tweaks it would take to like change that and I've really enjoyed it and um you know throughout building FEA I've always worked you know, one to many kind of setup where, and, you know, so I would actually really love to do like one-on-one -on -one more intimate stuff with people where you can like really make a difference. Cause I also feel like I can actually base the next book off of that. Yeah. Um, but it's just like, uh, I think for me, it's just trying to figure out like where on earth the time can come from. And like, I need to re I need to figure out. Yeah. 
what I've got going on now and make space for that stuff. And then like wild, crazy dreams. Like, I mean, I've always wanted to do She Means Business, the movie. Um, <laughs> and I also really want to do more like, if you discover the online world or the self-help or personal development world, it's like you go down this rabbit hole of like discovering this whole new world and these whole, there's all these opportunities. But like, if you never go into that space or like never discover it, then like, I don't know, there's not that much out there, like in the way of like, mainstream stuff that would talk like some stuff, stuff I guess some stuff in the states is a bit different but like in the UK for example there's nothing mainstream media wise that like covers like any of this stuff or like empowers or inspires people and I think like the majority of the things that you hear on like the TV or like TV shows or you know things like that they're just so like don't get me wrong like I, I mean I can watch a little bit of mindless trash from time to time <laughs> as for entertainment <laughs> but like I just think it would be so cool to create something more mainstream that would reach people who I know I'm not reaching now with my message Mm. and like help to inspire those people to realize like being able to live a more, you know, the best life for themselves. So yeah, so definitely on the, it's been on the vision board for a while to do something Mm. more like mainstream. But um, I feel like when I set these goals, I can feel they're far off. Like I remember meeting with someone gosh, maybe like four years ago now about a TV producer and talking about my ideas. So this has been on like Mm. in there for a while, but I always see my goals. Like I put them out into the universe and like, they're like, they're like hovering around me and I almost see them like hovering. And it's like, they're trying to like go into the universe, like manifest and then they're making their way back to me. So I just feel like they're out there. They're coming back to me. And then sometimes I feel like the energy changes and I can just feel it in my bones getting closer and closer. Like this is how it felt with the book. But yeah, so I just kind of like imagine all my little goals and dreams out there in the universe, finding their way back to me somehow and just tune into the energy and like, yeah. I love that. I, I I really get what you mean though, because like this podcast, I have been thinking about it actively for about three or four years. And in January of this year, 2019, I knew like, okay, this was going to be the year. And not to make you feel awkward, but one of the like like ever since I started thinking about the podcast, I was like, oh my God, it would be so amazing if one day I could have a Carrie Green on there. That would be so like magical. And I'll, I'm like, oh, I'm actually doing that now. And it's really fun and cool. And like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and same thing with the retreats and events. And there, there's, I know I have a book or two in me. I know that's, it's going to happen in probably the next two years or so. And it's, it's stuff that people like go out and they say, oh my gosh, you're doing so many things all at the same time. Like, hmm. Yeah, like with some with with your event, like or with your book, you were working on that for six years. Yeah, maybe not like full time for six years, but it was yeah. happening. You're processing things, right? And that's the thing. It's like, but then when you start to feel it, like for example, like if you know there's a book, it's like you feel it inside of you. Like you feel that it's there, and then like as a, the next like couple of years progress you'll start to like inch your way closer to a moment where you just know it's ready, you're ready and it's happening. And that, and then when that happens, it might not be like a a breeze to create it. It might then feel like, oh, the next challenge of like actually addressing it and dealing with it. But I think that's the thing is like actually acknowledging intuitively what you feel is there. And that like the ideas that you have, like so many people, for example, come up with ideas and then just like brush them to the side because they think that it's ridiculous. Mm. But I just think it's good. Like my, my, cause I'm like crazy. Mike, she means business movie idea. It just inches its way closer. Like who knows like what will happen. But like, I was actually doing a podcast, um, with one of the FEA members, Abby Burns. And uh, she was telling me about her brother and he does like, he works on like 
I think TV and movie stuff. And so she put me in touch because like I was telling her about my crazy ideas. And it's like this little things like these little breadcrumbs start to like appear and then like, you know, you connect it all up. And it was exactly the same happened with the book, like with the way just things happened. So yeah, I just think we have to like tune into ourselves with ourselves intuitively that guides us. It's powerful. I agree. I think it's really hard to do that. Um, but one of the exercises that helped me a lot, this was, I want to say two years ago. I think this was a good two years ago. This was exactly two years ago on Amber McHugh's Planathon. She was here on the podcast as well. And you did a little video for her about the dream jar. Oh yeah. And I think that was, I think I had just joined FEA. So it was like the only video apart from Amber's I watched. It's like, Oh, Carrie did a video. I'll go, I'll go watch that one. I ignored everyone else. And I did this exercise. Do you want to quickly run us through what a dream jar is? It was just, it's just like a jar that you, how I like get, put my dreams and goals down on piece, little piece of paper, fold them up and like put them in my dream jar. And then like you can go to your dream jar with all your little bits of paper in and like pull out a piece of paper and like open it up and then spend like a couple of minutes like visualizing and, and imagining that thing coming, coming to life. Basically, I'm not sure that's what it is. So I did that and I put it into this beautiful, um, lush bath bomb box I had that was very pretty. So I had that on my desk for two years. I think I only looked at it for, through it a couple of times, but it was physically on my desk and I physically knew what was inside. And I found it recently since we just moved house for like, God knows how many time, time this year. We're done now. <laughs> and I was looking through all the goals I've written down two years ago and I, all the business things have, had come true. I had written having a community. I had written being booked out, having a waiting list. I had written um, having a retreat for women in Europe, for women entrepreneurs in Europe. Oh, wow. Um, I wrote being a guest expert in other groups. Like they're all like, I, I even wrote being a Conquer Club mentor, like this, this incubator I was in. So it was all these things that were in there that I had written two years ago. And, but because I think I had written down spe- really specific things I wanted to do. Although they seemed completely crazy at the time. They're like, there's no way I could do a retreat. There's no way I can do whatever. But I think that started, that helped guide my, my, my day to day decisions because I had that North, North star yeah. of these, these kind of goals. It's so powerful. So powerful to just decide what you want, write it down. My dad always does not t- teach me that growing up. Decide what you want, write it down. It's such a powerful and it's so important to do. Actually, I can, um, I'm looking at it right now. It's like this, my little, my first ever goal folder I created when I was like a teenager. <laughs> it's just crazy to think like back then I like took bank statements and I added loads of zeros to them to like change, <laughs> change them. And I've got a bottle of perfume in there of like how I wanted my life to smell when I was successful. And, um, I just, it's so powerful when you do things like that and you use your imagination and, you kind of get intentional about we want, like I always say, like success is not an accident. Like you have to make it happen on purpose. And it starts with knowing like, what, well, what is it? Like, where is it that you're trying to get to? And once you have more clarity around that, like you said, whether it's knowing it and you can feel like at some point a book would come along or however many years ago you decided you were going to do a podcast, like it's having that intention and like setting the intention. It's so powerful. It's, and then it's like stuff starts to happen. The, would never have happened if you hadn't set the intention. No. And obviously like working towards it. Um, I think if I, if I just lay on my couch and watch video games for three years <laughs> and podcasts, it wouldn't happen as yeah. well for much as I thought about it. Carrie, final question to you. Um, I would love to, for you to issue a quest, an action step for our audience. What can they do this week? What can they take action on? 
Oh, I kind of, maybe because we're talking about dream job, maybe that's what everyone should do. It's like, go and sit down and get your favorite drink and put a candle on and just put some really nice music on and get a piece of paper and start thinking about like your life and the dreams and goals and things that you would love to make happen. And then once you've done that and like had some, a little bit of time, like easing your way into like thinking about this stuff, like write some things down that you want to put in your dream job and put them on little bits of paper and like fold up the little bits of paper. So you put like one dream on one little bit of paper and then just put, put pop it into like a dream jar. So it could be like, even if you get like a cup from the kitchen and put it in your dream, <laughs> dream cup, <laughs> I don't know, or like go out to the shops and like buy one. Oh, oh, I keep thinking that everyone can see me, but they can't because I've got one. I'll show you Maggie. Like this is one I've got on my desk. So it's just like having them around, like what you said, like I just have them randomly all over the place. I think I've got yeah. another one up here. Uh, I, I was do. planning on buying a pretty one, but I saw like this like bright blue and purple lush bath bomb box that smelled pretty. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> like I have to ribbon around it. I had that on my desk for two years. Yeah. So it's just like, so yeah, so I would say everyone go and do that. And also it's just fun. And I think the thing when you're doing things like that is just like, try and let go of like thinking about things from a realistic perspective. I think you have to like zoom out of life, get out of the day to day and just look at the bigger picture of life. And the fact that like we are here on this planet, planet and it's just actually pretty crazy that we're even here in the first place. And if you're listening to this right now, then I just think take it as a sign that you're listening to this for a reason, because you're meant to be listening to this. You're meant to be hearing this right now. And I think it's just kind of like, you know, life goes by so quickly. And I think we get so hung up on the day to day and we get so hung up, you know, on things that are just totally irrelevant. And we miss out on like the beauty and the magic of life. And I think it's just realizing, acknowledging how quickly it does go. And the fact that like, we have the opportunity to get more intentional about how we can make our life even more amazing. And so we owe it to ourselves to like sit down and get clarity around that and to try and create that, that, that dream life for ourselves. And it begins by getting clear on, well, what is that? And so just enjoying it rather than writing something down and be like, oh, I don't know what to write or I'm stuck. I don't know what to say. Or that's never going to happen. Yeah, exactly. So just stop with the the limits, the limitations and um, just dream big and enjoy it because nothing's set in stone. It's just all a bit fun, fun that can actually get you to amazing places. <laughs> Carrie, thank you so much for that yeah. quest and for being here. This is absolutely amazing and really, really inspirational. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I've loved it. Hey, hey, thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe so you never miss new episodes. And if you have a business bestie who needs to hear this message, go share this with them. See you in the next one. Love and magic, Maggie.